Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is January 30th, 2023. As always, we'd like to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you, You man? You know who made money last night? That ref. That ref in that Bengals-Chiefs game. Of course, you're going to bring that up on the podcast, How many people? How many times you get a third down, Dave? Well, if you're the Chiefs, you get three of them. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's – look, I'm not a Bengals fan, but I live in Cincinnati, so I was rooting for the Bengals against the Chiefs, and uh, that was kind of upsetting. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that, man. Yeah, I mean, you're not even a Bengals fan either. You're a Cowboys I'm fan. I'm not, but it was so – it was irritating to see, like, okay, no whistle was blown. They did not call the play dead. And then all of a sudden, like, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't convert on third down, oh, retry. Right. It's 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 the sports entertainment of the NFL. So just need a chair shot and a to the referee. Yeah. Well, if you're planning on listening to us for stock and financial news, um, Brandon needs to rant about football a little more because as a Cowboys fan, he doesn't really get to celebrate too much. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I got to see him win three Super Bowls in my lifetime because I'm old. <coughs> yeah, you did age yourself just there with that comment. So, yeah, there you go. Mm. All right. Uh, rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You hear the live discussion back and forth, frit and frat, whatever you want to call it, live here in front of you. Um, Brandon has the bulk of everything tonight. You're bringing the show, man. I'm just responding to your comments right now tonight, so I want you to take it away. Uh, okay, I'll go first. Uh, we didn't discuss this before, but that's fine. I'll do it. Uh, hey, James- you know, and that's the p- best part about our show, guys. We don't discuss much at all. Like no they, they are literally hearing everything. So go ahead. <laughs> the January jobs reports coming out this week. Pegged to show a one hundred thousand uh, January non-farm payroll increase. Now, Challenger, Gray, and Christmas, um, they estimate, this is a report from them, that U.S.-based employers announced 43,651 job cuts for December uh, 2022. Um, Unemployment rate for December was at 3.5%. My most bullish outcome for this, my most bullish forecast, is that unemployment ticks up. No, like, strong increase in unemployment i don't want it to decrease because then people are going to freak out and all the fed's going to raise more rates you know the rates got to go even higher blah blah blah. so i don't want to decrease in unemployment oh whoa whoa no i'm I'm gonna cut you off right there all right first of all i think you got this completely wrong all right i didn't know we're going to get in a disagreement to a minute into the show here but we are first of all you got this completely wrong in my perspective if I see a uh, job jobs loss, right, and unemployment takes higher, that means the Fed has can stop raising rates. That's what I'm saying. That is good news for the market. No, okay, you were saying the opposite saying. just then. You were no. saying the opposite. You're saying no, the so best I, bullish. The best bullish case is, and I think the best bullish case is that we have job loss. That's a bullish case. That's that what means I'm the saying. Fed can stop. That's what I'm saying. So the unemployment rate would go up. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that'd be the best bullish case. Exactly. So I'm looking at 3.6% unemployment, hopefully. Three <clears throat> but that's not what's gonna happen. That's not what's gonna happen. Well, I don't want to see 3.4%. And contrary to what you you know you might think if you're not in the stock market, you might think that you know the unemployment rate going down, that's a good thing. But really for the stock market in this situation, that just means that the Federal Reserve would have to hike rates higher. That's not bullish for stocks, right? But you don't want to see like super recession either. So you don't want to see like 3.5% is where we're at in December. You don't want to see it jump up to like 4% because then that's just going to panic everybody. So like 3.6, maybe 3.7%. That's where we're hoping for it to be. Not saying it's going to be, but if you see a 3.6% uh, you know, roll across the tape and the news lines report this and the stock market goes up, you know why. Go ahead. I, I actually would like to see a 4% because then uh, I think the Fed will will, will come out because they, they know the number before it's released, I think. I personally believe that. And I think that the, what they're going to come out and announce as a rate cut is, is no rate cut if they know that there's going to be a, a jump in unemployment. So I I personally would would think that it, it wouldn't shatter the markets to see 4%. You might have a down day or two, but I think people would come to their senses, rationalize this, and realize this is actually better for the long term. And I think 4% would not shatter the markets like you're talking about. You might have a down day or two, and that would be a buy-in opportunity is that's what a, it would be. It's a really big jump for one month, though. So it's only. But look at all the job cuts that were announced during December, man. Look how many companies across the board were cut in, and then how many more cut in January. But they're still saying that okay. So, but like welders and machinists, their job openings are actually going up. Um. So the middle class, you know, uh, blue collar workers, you know, people, you know, and that and sort of like the skilled trade professions, they're actually seeing their uh their job. Go, you know, the jo- number of jobs in those sectors are actually going up. So, um, I mean, they're they're looking at uh, saying that there's an estimation of still like 10.5 million jobs open right now. So that's still pretty high. That's uh, very high, very very high. Yeah, and if the participation rate's going up in the labor force, and that's going to keep a cap on unemployment, that'll be a, a nice lid for it. But you know, you just don't want to see it go down because you don't want to see stocks get wrecked. And you, and that actually, like some people would say, well, you know, unemployment unemployment rate rate going down. You know, you might be able to make the case that the Fed could somehow engineer a soft landing with that, but you'd have to see a decrease of inflation with it, and that's very unlikely. Exactly, it is very unlikely. If you have unemployment going down, a healthy jobs number, and you know, the Fed not raising uh if those things happen and the fed doesn't raise 50 basis points yes uh then the inflation is going to continue to stay high if now to see a fed basis of 25 basis points i think we need to see a job loss for january you have to see a job loss overall for for the united states for the fed to say all right 25 basis points is where we're gonna we're gonna go otherwise i think you're seeing 50 yeah and then maybe they can pause for a little bit Potentially, at least, uh, if you raise an unemployment. And um, some people are positioning for that. And, and I don't mind it because even if they don't pause for now, eventually they're going to have to. And, and I don't think there's any harm in, in trying to play the you know the game ahead of time if it's only a few months out. Um, so if they're going to pause, 
really historically you're looking at financials, but you're kind of playing a gamble there because what if the federal, you know, if, if the uh, economy goes into a recession, then financials are going to get hit by it. I personally still like tech. Tech's been beaten down just enough, you know, uh, to where there's there's great upside for the long term anyways, if you buy it. Um, I, I think tech leads the charge back up. Now, going back to 1995 and every pause period, financials have led. But I don't I don't know if that'll be the case right now because they really didn't get beat down as much as tech did. They haven't gotten beat down at all. In fact, they're they're at a healthy healthy uh, position right now. There are a few uh, financial firms I would invest in. Like uh, like I said, Goldman has taken a hit recently, and that's a company that historically always moves up and to the right. And so after this hit, it might be a time to put some money into Goldman. And see if you could look for a bounce back because that would be a company that could make a bounce back this year right. on it. I like Goldman and I like JP Morgan just because of the management. The management's really good for those two companies. And, uh, you know, the management for a company that I'm about to talk about is really good. And Well, hold on. Before you say it, before you, ha, I was about to say, before you say it, one of the reasons why I like the management at Goldman is a lot of the management at Goldman ends up having positions inside our federal government and other governments around the world it's it's very known for that that if you work at goldman and you move up you could get a position inside the government and so there's all that connectivity and you could say alumni working um within within the system there for goldman so it's a strong company in that way while i despise that i really don't like it at all it does create a competitive moat there you go Right. Look at you using those big words. <laughs> Warren Buffett words. All right. So a company that I love um, now, used to hate, but now I love, um, managed by Larry Culp. And, uh, you know, you just really want to invest in companies that have good management. So uh, free cash flow, flow for General Electric, they just re- uh, reported earnings. Um, free cash flow, $4.8 billion for uh, the full year big turnaround for the past, you know, four years, four years ago, they had no cash flow. Um, and, and it was a question as to whether or not they ever would again. Uh, fourth quarter profit was $2.1 billion, a 7% increase uh, in total revenue uh, to $21.8 billion. Um, and this is despite pressure on profit margins. Uh, so they're still, they're still making the business work despite headwinds here. Pricing caught up to cost increases, uh, Larry Culp said. He said this is actually going to make inflation for them right now neutral. And it's not that inflation is going away. It's that they're having to combat it and they're being successful. Go ahead, Dave. So for for those of us who are listening and don't know what company Larry Culp is running right now, do you mind telling people? Yeah, I said General Electric. Did I not say it out loud? You did not say it out loud. You said that in your head. I knew that, but I just want everyone else to know. General Electric is what Brandon's talking about. And uh, specifically General Electric, not General Electric Healthcare or Aerospace, correct? Well, this is this is actually General Electric. This is right now, since healthcare spun off, we're talking about Aerospace and Vernova, the renewables, which is the laggard here. Uh, operating profit uh, for the next year is expected to be $5.3 billion to $5.7 billion for GE Aerospace and an operating loss of $600 million to $200 million for GE Vernova, which is their renewables. And as soon as that spins off, 
I'm cutting it out. It's gone. Gone from my portfolio. I have GE for aerospace and healthcare. And healthcare's already spun off. The next leg to go is Vernova. That's I'm not keeping that. So why aren't you keeping that one? Uh, they just can't make any money with it. They never have. It's always been a lagger on uh, GE's profits. Uh, it's been the major reason why most people don't buy General Electric. It's been because of renewables. It's they've they they may be able to make some headway here, but uh, it, it just hasn't happened. It, it's a it will be a show me stock when it comes out. You know, gotcha. You Got to show me what you can do before I have any faith in you. Um, fourth quarter revenue jumped twenty five percent in the aerospace business. Uh, while you know Vernova is it's still the laggard here. Now GE Healthcare that spin off happened earlier this month. They reported their first standalone uh, earnings uh, just 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 a couple of days ago here actually. Uh, revenue increased seven percent for the fourth quarter. Uh, now this is where we're talking about the pressured margins here. Net income was five hundred and fifty four million dollars versus five hundred sixty four million in the prior year. Uh, so down quite a bit there. Uh, adjusted earnings before incomes and taxes, $844 million uh, versus $827 million. So the earnings are going up while uh, net income is going down. That's good management. That's a sign of good management that they can still you know, make it work and still make their earnings grow. Now, cash flow from operating activities was $1.1 billion. Uh, there was no uh, cash flow from operating uh, activities here just a couple of years ago uh, in the healthcare sector. So, I mean, and in, in the healthcare sector of GE, none whatsoever. So $1.1 billion, big deal. Free cash flow, $980 million, up $436 million year over year with an improvement in supply chain and collections. So you're seeing a company with pressured margins, uh, dealing with all the headwinds of of the Federal Reserve raising rates, they mentioned uh, currency uh, foreign uh, foreign exchange headwinds, um, uh, supply chain still headwinds going on, even though they're starting to ease up. Uh, costs are higher, but they're still making their earnings grow because they've got good, competent management. That is the most important thing investing in a stock. For, you know, and it's right next to, I think it's right next to buying at a good value and being patient to catch it at a good value, buying a, co a company that's good, got good management because they've got almost every headwind in the world right now being an international company with the dollar strengthening uh, and, and inflation being so high, but yet they're growing earnings. Nice. Okay. Organic revenue growth, uh, they expect in, uh, in the range of 5 to 7% year over year. Adjusting Adjusted earnings per share will be in the range of $3.60 to $3.75 as compared us to last year. If you separated healthcare from GE last year, the earnings per share were $3.38, so nice growth there as well. Did I put you to sleep? Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm messing with you. So, all right. So basically what, what I'm getting from this is GE Healthcare is making uh, the right moves. They got the good management, but what are they selling? What, what's, what's their product? Is it just like robotic surgery arms or is it every uh, like multiple use breathing machines? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of machines. There's imaging there. There's all kinds of different things that they do and that they, they, uh, 
they sell to hospitals and stuff like that. So, so it's like CT scanners, MRIs. Yeah, things like that. that. Okay, all right. So, I mean, that's what they're making. So that tells me that the healthcare industry is continually buying to improve, which is good, especially if you're going to be sick and have to go to the hospital. But uh, you know, it's, it's it makes me wonder does does hospitals and do they have the money to be buying these right now, or are are they going in debt in order to buy these, or did they make a lot of money via COVID? because the government backed everything and paid for everything. So are the hospitals doing better and they flush of cash now? Is any of them publicly traded? Is it Kaiser? Kaiser's publicly traded? I, is I think Kaiser is. Yeah, I think. So that that'll be one I would want to look into because if GE healthcare is having a great two years, I wonder if that's because of the COVID boom hospitals using the extra surplus money to go ahead and revamp everything that's going on in the hospital. I would want to look at some of these hospitals numbers and see what's going on the last two years and see where that money's being spent is well, now what I'm thinking. And we've got, we've, there's a lot of innovation in the sector happening. Um, there, there, well, yeah, it's, it's the medical sector. There's, it should be innovation every single quarter. Yeah. There yeah. should be uh, innovation every quarter. And we still have a global aging population. Um, so I think that, uh, I think this sector continues to grow. Uh, this is another one of my picks actually as a sector for, uh, the next year or two. And, and it didn't really get hit that hard last year, but, uh, the healthcare sector, I still, I, I like it. Okay. All right. I mean, do you have any particular place besides GE healthcare in the healthcare sector? Uh, no, not off the top of my head, but I will by next episode. Oh, look at that. All right. Nice. Nice. I, I will wait. I mean, are we looking at pharmaceutical? Or are we looking at technology? Or are we looking at hospitals? I, or are we looking honestly, at like you know, minus the uh, I, I would like to see the interest rate. Um, uh, what do they call it? The inversion. I, I would like to see the rate inversion fix itself first. But um, I like the healthcare, the health insurance industry. I like. Oh, health insurance. I, I like yeah. Health insurance. I still like AIG. Uh, we picked that last year as a stock. I still like AIG. So, yeah. Yep. Because no matter if you cut out the discretionary incomes in a recession or a lower period, a downturn in the market cycle, people still have to take care of their bodies and pay for health insurance. So, yep. It's always going to be there. You got to watch the rate in inversions because they, they lose money on those rate inversions with their bond investments. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I loved AIG because I was kind of tracking their investments for a little bit, and they had a put on uh, SPY that uh, expired in April of last year, and they wound up being exactly right. Yeah, and you you know that, all right, the only reason why I like AIG is because during the 2008 bailout, the U.S. government one time owned over half that company's stock in order to keep it afloat, and AIG managed to go ahead and pay it all back. Yeah. So I give them credit for that. They paid back every every dollar they owed to US government. The government even made some money off of interest off of it. So um credit to them for that. But yep. yeah, insurances, insurance companies are are I've traded them before. I traded them during the mortgage crisis. I was big on trading those uh mortgage insurers uh especially off of the news, the macro events. I was day I wasn't just day trading them. I was hourly trading them because of the news was so frantic on housing. And right now the news is pretty frantic on housing, but it's not like it was then. There's no real frantic news except on I would say tech sector and uh maybe EVs. EVs have some cars have a lot of frantic news right now. 
you know, such as like the Kia Hyundai, how insurers are not going to assure them going some models of theirs going forward. Some EV uh, makers are lowering their uh, their their price tag. Like Ford came out, the Mach E Mustang is being cut on the the price tag because Tesla's cutting its price tag. So Tesla's a trendsetter. So what Tesla does, everybody else has to do too to keep pace. You know, it's it's it, there's news out all the time on 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 the those those industries right now, and so well, that's the hot one. The housing sector here, that, that's another thing actually that usually outperforms during the uh, rate pauses. Uh, it's actually real estate. And that's another thing that I think will buck the trend here. I, I don't see real estate performing all that well uh, as well, I mean, interest rates this high. And I think that uh, sales and housing is kind of, it's, it's trailed that, but I think we're still going to see a decline in home prices and a decline in real estate. So I think that's another thing that's going to buck the trend here. You are going to see a decline. I agree with you on that. Um, I, I don't believe once the Fed does pause on its raising of the rates, it's going to have an immediate effect on home prices. Again, based off, I'm just going to say the exact same thing you just said. I'm just going to reiterate that again for people listening is yeah rates are too high for the average person and house prices have gone up too much in comparison to the medium income people cannot afford houses nowadays they're too pricey and we could go down a rabbit hole of well this is zillow and redfin buying up all these properties for investment to rent them out and they want to take away home ownership yada yada i mean we could go down a rabbit hole and argue back and forth but the fact of the matter that is the facts. My my and mortgage so, company, my mortgage company will not stop calling me every day and begging me to refinance right now. <laughs> it's, I'm like, are I'm you? Sure. I, I mean, I've sure. we 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 got really lucky with our interest rates. We're somewhere around like in between three and four percent, and they they're just like ringing my phone off the hook, and they're calling me from different numbers every day too. <laughs> So sometimes I answer it because the industry that I'm in, I get phone calls from um, from phone numbers I don't recognize. So I don't recognize. I pick it up and they're like, hi, this is Eddie from your mortgage company. And I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. Were you like, Eddie, give me 1% rate. Right. 1% rate and we got a deal. Yeah, it's all about pe- because people want the cash in their pocket because they can get a $10,000 loan out on their mortgage, just have it you know, put on the back end of their mortgage and they still have to pay it off and they're still going to have a higher interest rate and their home, uh, their, their home, their mortgage is still going to be higher every month as a regard, you know, regardless because they're adding a loan to it and then they're refinancing at higher rates. I bet you there's a lot of people doing this right now. So I, all right, that brings me into another topic. I, I recently got not, not an argument, but I disagreed with a CNBC contributor. I'm not going to mention their name. I don't want to call them out here on our show. But uh, I on, on Instagram, because uh, they came out and they said, and we were discussing whether or not there was a risk of recession. And one of the points I brought up was the fact that, you know, inflation has gone up so high, but wages have not gone up as much as inflation. It's going to take years after inflation drops for wages to get back to a level where they are before. And by that time, home prices would have already jumped back up and people would already be priced out again of houses. That is impossible for people to, to afford the houses the same way we were able to afford them 30 years ago. It's not the same. You, you, you need so much extra income or cash on hand in order to afford these and, it's it's very hard for people trying to to move up and and 
out of their okay. current income to a higher income level. I agree. Now, interest rates, interest rates were a lot higher back then, but home prices were so much lower. I mean, you, back, price houses that sold for $60,000 sell for one hundred twenty now. Oh, more than that, dude. More than yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know houses uh, that I was looking at back in uh, 2005 that uh, were, were going for maybe $60,000, $70,000 that are over 200000 now. It's 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 I mean, but that's what you expect when you buy a house that the home value will go up, which is great. But it, the but wages have not gone up in in comparison with them. There's right. been a jump in home prices faster than there's been a jump in wages, which is not what you want. Yep, exactly. Sorry, I mean we're going on a tangent here because that's all I have. So <laughs> okay, cool. So let me go. Let me let me go into some things here that I have, uh, and I brought these up to Brandon earlier. First thing I want to talk about, guys, is uh, Samsung came out with their quarter for profit. I don't have a lot of news on this because it just came out about an hour ago, and I haven't gone through all the numbers yet. But I'm going to read some part, there, and this just sticks out to me, right? So South Korea Samsung Electronics LTD reported a 69% plunge in fourth quarter profit on Tuesday. As customer demand, consumer demand for electronic devices dropped and clients tightened their belts on weak economy, dragging down memory chip prices. So what I read out of that statement, so there's a couple other statements here in this, this short little thing. But what I read out of that is I, I look more into the clients tighten their belts. So they're talking about businesses, right? They're talking about, you know, the business sector, not so much like consumer electronics is, is where I think the biggest aspect of this is as as companies and fortune 500 companies around the world because it's as americans we got to stop thinking as us only right in the united states it's apple 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 but the rest of the world's not apple 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 there's are a few other countries now that are apple but most of the world's still samsung so most uh, if if all these other countries have companies that are are you know trying to cut costs and tighten their belts just like we are here in america with our our companies you know, one of the things you're going to say, hey, do we really need to upgrade all this equipment right now or can we make it last two more years? And that's some of the questions. And that's what I think is really hitting Samsung here. And I'm just basing off of this art, these articles I've read here. But I mean, the, the consumer demand could also be there as well. And that tells me maybe Apple's picking up a bigger market share. I would I'm interested to see how Apple's numbers report in two days and see if uh, they pick up market share from Samsung in some of these areas or if they're also hit the same way as Samsung, because there's articles I've been reading today stating that uh, Apple is going to report their first loss since what, 2019, 17, something around there. And uh, that tells me that it's a sector wide problem and not just a Samsung problem. Brandon, thoughts on this real quick? Uh, it might, might be a macroeconomic issue as well. I mean, Asia hasn't very, you know, they haven't really performed very well, uh, mostly because of China's zero COVID policies and uh, China not doing very well themselves. So Japan just recently uh, cut their economic forecast for the year. And with the Asian economy as a whole, I mean, I think it's one of the worst uh years um or at least the last two years in in the, in the last century for asia so well i mean outside of the uk us and i believe two other countries samsung outsells apple so that's most of europe <laughs> so uh you could say this is an asian problem but then i i look at most of europe still number one samsung 
65 uh, that's a that's huge that's a huge that is a massive number for a drop in profit and uh i think it has more and again this is just me i think it has more to do with memory trips and the the business aspect the industrial aspect and not so much a consumer aspect have they have they increased uh research and development costs by a lot because that could eat into profits as well well, again, this just came out the, over the headlines an hour ago. We started a show about, uh, what, 30 minutes ago, and we got on before we started the show and about 10 minutes for that. So I haven't had time to dig into these numbers. I'm reporting headlines here. And so it, it does make me wonder, but the next paragraph in one of these articles I read says, it's the world's, so Samsung, the world's biggest maker of memory chips and smartphones, um, said their operating profit was only 3.49 billion. I know you're like only 3.49 billion, but I mean for a company like Samsung that's a big drop. Um for a global company that's kind yeah, of Yeah. For a huge global company, global especially company. when you're the number one maker of memory chips and smartphones. I mean that's a big sign of the times right there. I want to know how Sony's doing. I'm curious. Well, Seriously. I mean, we we can see if we can if we can add uh, into that here. But uh, oh, here's another headline on the the chip. So yes, here it is. Uh, I'm reading this live. Uh, I have not really had a chance to go through this. So in its chip business, profit plunged to about 270 billion won. Um, I, I don't have the U.S. Uh, comparison. That's so that's the uh, South Korean uh, currency um, from eight Eight trillion won the same month a year uh, earlier. You're gonna have to forgive me. Samsung is a Korean company, and I was talking about the Japanese economy. Right. Sony is Japanese. Okay. All right. So, um, so Intel last week said that they were actually going to lose money in the current quarter due to their chips. Uh, Micron Technology has already said they're going to slash investments due to chips not being bought. So I again I was right. Um, <laughs> so in real time, you guys are hearing this on Chinchilla Bacon, guys. Uh, in real time, these articles are coming out, and I'm reading them. And I was right about what I thought was the cause of this. It looks like it is all memory chips, and that the uh, the problem is with their memory chips and not having enough people to buy it, to buy them and 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 use them. How's this going to affect the Chips Act here in the United States? It's you know it's still going to go through. We've already struck the deals of Intel. We've already struck the deals of AMD. We've already struck the deals of Nvidia. They're building plants here. They're getting it paid for. But now there's no demand. Apparently, from what I'm reading, there's no demand for all these. Which is, I would rather us build them and have them um, ready to go in it because they're not yeah. going to be up and running for what three four years. They're yeah. not going to be up and running for a few years. So there might be demand again. In three to four years, and this time we'll have the chips here, and not have to rely upon uh, shipping. Yeah, and and a great majority of the silicone and and the, and the sand that's used to uh, manufacture it uh, comes from China, and it's shipped down to Taiwan, which you know China uh, and President Xi there, he's he's given a lot of uh, indications that he wants uh, Taiwan back. And, um, you know, that would be a huge disruptor. The fact that the majority of, of the United States chips come from Taiwan and that the uh, majority of the uh, the things that are needed to manufacture the chips come from China. And China is already threatening to stop the uh, exporting of those things to Taiwan. Yeah, it, it's it's just a better 
better idea for companies to produce here in the United States and in, in a more safe zone, even if it is a higher cost to do so. I, You know, we could debate all day whether or not the, the U.S. government should be involved in giving subsidies to these companies or not. But it is better for the companies, I think, to be here uh, geopolitically, at least. Yeah, and it, it's good to go over this and how these these events that happen around the world actually affect your chip prices, which affect your phone prices, which affect whether or not you're going to get the latest chip in your phone. Um, and you can see how that all just uh, has an effect on everything. Everything ripples into each other. And it, it's, it's good to go over this. That way, when you see a headline as a retail investor, you're like, oh, I see a headline. China is making a move at Taiwan. Oh, I need to start selling all my chip stocks because they're not going to have no supply. And they need to make sure. Well, right now they have plenty of supply. They can't sell it, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? That's, that's one way to think about how to invest and trade off of headlines, which is what I do. I do a lot of this macro investing day trading off of headlines. And that's one thing to look for is those geopolitical events and how they will ripple effect into other things. So yeah, uh, China, Taiwan is definitely something I keep an eye on all no. the time. Now, on the other hand, you see a company like NVIDIA get hit and you know eventually the trend's going to turn back around in their favor and then maybe you take this as an opportunity to buy them if you're a long-term investor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, NVIDIA did get hit today, but a lot of companies got hit today. Today was a down, uh, pretty much a down day, I would say, for, for all my watch lists. Uh, they're mostly red. I had a few greens in there, but most of my watch lists were red. You know, even if my all my watches is red, I always have UVXY, so that's always green if everything else is red. Yeah. <laughs> so there's always one green, right? But hey, uh, let me tell you what, though, like this downturn today is it's not a big deal to me. This year so far, year to date, I know it's only been a month, but it's been a wild good month. So yes, there's always indicators out there that you need to be on the lookout for there. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah, chips uh, oversupply right now. Definitely something to look at. Um, I do want to mention something about Boeing. Uh, here's another headline. I always bring out headlines about Boeing, and then you and I talk about it, and we both come to the conclusion not to buy it to sell yeah. <laughs> almost every single time. But I want to bring it up again. Here we go. Boeing is going to add a 737 MAX production line because it plans to output boost. Uh, it, it plans to boost its output. Sorry, I'm reading this headline wrong. I don't know what's going on. Um, basically, they're saying that they're selling more of these than what they had. They have a backlog of orders, so they're trying to build more faster because everybody wants a 737 MAX. I've flown on a 737 MAX. It is a great plane. It is. It's very smooth. I enjoyed it. I see why they would want to build more of these, but uh, are we going away from the regional um air, uh flights now because of uh, all the trouble that the airlines have had and lack of pilots and lack of flight attendants i mean i wonder if we're moving away from the regional now you're gonna have to fly somewhere and then drive two hours to your destination because that's no fun airport to airport taxis too for layovers i think that yeah. might be a thing. i don't know i don't know but you're right about the 737 max it's too bad they have terrible management of the company they do, they do have terrible management problems. They've had scandals throughout the whole company the past three years. Uh, we've reported on a number of them here. It's just been scandal after scandal. I, I I think the only good thing they have is that deal they had with Poland for the Apache helicopter. I believe that's the really the only good news I had. And now this is the second good news, I guess you could say. 
I mean, they've, they've probably got some of the best uh, scientists and engineers on, on the planet working for them. But uh, if that if if the board of directors and the CEO is is bad, then it, do, it doesn't make much of a difference to me. You're, you're really going to like die on that hill, aren't you? Like, absolutely. You, if management good. is not up to your standards. You're just like, I'm not buying that company absolutely. at all. OK, I've been burnt too many times. Now, all right, so give me some of the ones that you've been burnt by. I want to hear this. Boeing. What's, give me some example. All right, okay. <laughs> right away, Boeing. All right. What's another one that you got burnt because of management? Because of management. Uh, Salesforce. Okay. Then they, they just got bought by Microsoft, though. Yeah, uh, and he's not, you know, like as far as running daily operations, not that bad. But as far as uh, overspending on acquisitions, that, that was a huge problem. Okay. And I maybe with the rate increase and you know everything's going to be a little bit more expensive now. I don't. Maybe they're holding back on that now. I I hope they are. But uh, you know, it, it seemed like you know this every other week that Salesforce is buying somebody for twenty seven billion dollars that you've never heard of before in your life until now. Man, yeah. Where did Salesforce get another twenty-seven billion from? Yeah, and not Apple. You don't. And the problem is, is because you would look back at, at some of their history, and oftentimes they were selling more shares onto the market to purchase this new company, and that's what I don't like that. Because no one likes that. Yeah. All right. So I mean, those are two good examples. Okay, I get you. I see where you're going. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, look, but I just want... look at General Electric in the in the mid. Uh, 2000s all the way up until about 2016 2017 when larry colt came back uh i mean general electric had been like the standard bearer of of uh international conglomerates and 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 industrialists they were an amazing company and then terrible management uh took them down the wrong path and then larry colt had to step up and take over a ceo and 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 turn it over you know turn it back around all right, so I think it was it was a com yeah it was terrible management. I think it was also not having the same management there for too long. I there was a comment I made here on this podcast uh, back oh man, twenty twenty I think it was twenty twenty. We've been doing this podcast too long. Um, there was a there was a comment I made about GE that they have a new CEO more oftentimes than the Cleveland Browns has a new quarterback and. Yeah. and it was it was just a re- rotating amount of CEOs coming through GE, and they just couldn't get one to stay, and it was just it was a mess. The company yeah. was a mess for a couple of years. Yeah, they were for a long time, and and they're just they're still turning it around. They're still dealing with the headwinds of past management and past uh, insanity that the uh, we we detailed this entire thing on a, on a prior show. Go back and look at our old shows, and and you can see a uh, company profile on General Electric where we talk about where they went wrong. Right. So, yeah. All right. So we'll move on. We'll move on. I want to. All right. So I, I do have a final thought. Uh, it's going to be about Tesla, but I'm going to let you go first, man. Give me your final thought. Uh, it's General Electric, the turnover is still on track here. Uh, Larry Culp has, has uh, um, doing really great things with this company. Finally, again, it is it is becoming a good American turnaround story. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Meta or Facebook, whatever you want to call them. Their earnings are coming out here in a couple of days. We'll get to see where ad spending is in the United States economy. That's going to be a big focus for uh, CNBC and a lot of the financial news networks are going to be covering that heavily, uh, as long as, as well as the uh, unemployment uh, news and the um, 
and the uh, Federal Reserve's decision. So uh, I'm, I agree with you on uh, Meta. I'm interested to see where the numbers come out. I, I don't own them. I don't plan on owning them right now, but uh, I, I am watching that to see the ad numbers. I, I it, do I do own, own them, and, and I get really frustrated. You start to see the short-sightedness of Wall Street because they're already starting to say that Meta was Metaverse was a, a big failure. And and we've known from the start this is a 10-year project. It's a ten, but but you know one year into the ten year project they're they're declaring it a failure and I think it's just a huge uh, you know it, it's just a it shows the short sightedness of a lot of people. It does because there's a lot of uses for the virtual virtual world that we haven't even gotten into yet. Where we are we're we're not Minority Report yet, but we're getting there, and that's where it's going to head towards uh, people. But we have to get through these beginning stages that everybody's like ew. Uh, on first in order to get to those those cooler end stages that we want to be and good news after getting my butt kicked in meta for almost an entire year i am finally at break even dave not because thank you yeah. that leads that leads way into what i had on tesla um i was uh profitable uh for a little bit and i sold half of my position uh thinking that it was going to go higher <laughs> <laughs> I should have sold all my position, but I didn't. So now I am still holding, but I got I got rid of half my position at a profit in Tesla. So I was very happy about that. It freed up some money. And one of the things I'm looking at, guys, is Oh, wait, uh, you're telling me I got a Tesla call right? Because I <laughs> you said did. It last week. You, you called that last week. You said Tesla's gonna run and uh you called that and it did run. And I, it was a great week for Tesla. Brandon Beaver called it on the show. I can retire now. <laughs> you can take that monkey off your back. It's no longer your unicorn. You got it, buddy. I, I I'm proud of you, man. You got Tesla right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, one thing I'm looking at, guys, after the rate cut, we're gonna see where where that moves markets and the jobs numbers and all, all these numbers coming out this week. But one thing I, I watch and I, I've day traded back and forth a number of times is Blink charging BLNK. Uh, right now, I've been buying it uh, below thirteen, and it goes and it goes right back above thirteen. They're in positive times. Uh, I think Blink's a great uh, long-term investment at this price. Uh, and by long-term, actually not long-term investment, a mid-term investment, six to nine months. It's a great mid-term investment at this price, given that I believe we're going to have a positive year. So Brandon made the call last year, guys saying that most people, most retail investors will not make money this year. I'm going to make the call and say that most retail investors will make money this year and that this will be a positive year for retail investors because I believe that most of the soft hands retail investors are now flushed out of the market and they are saying, oh, stock trading doesn't work and they're gone now. And now it's back to the the core group of people that know that are paying attention on our investing that know what they're doing and taking the time and researching. And I believe that uh, retail investors are going to actually make money this year. It's going to be a positive year around uh, blink will be a good one to uh, put your money in. Amazon's another good one to put your money in for the year. If you're doing a yearly call is what I want to call it. Like by the end of the year, it'll be up higher than where it's at now. Amazon blink. Those are going to be ones that uh, I would put your money in. Apple, I don't know about Apple. I would wait and see. I want to see Apple's numbers on uh, words. Yeah, the China problem. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you said Google. Google be another one by the end of the year. It should be up. 
Uh, those are definitely ones you're looking at. And uh, those are the only ones I feel comfortable making calls right now on, actually, because there's just too much uncertainty that we don't know about that's going to happen. And so I want to wait and see more of these numbers and how it comes to fruition. You've been buying Blink since it was a penny stock under $5 a share. I have been day trading Blink. I've been day trading Blink since it was a penny stock. And uh, I, I have been consistently day trading and making money. It's been one of my favorite day trades to go uh, back and forth to. Uh, I watch it consistently. I watch the numbers. I understand the company. I know how the company operates, where it's com- uh, money comes from. Um, it, it's it it gets so the the thing with Blink Brandon and if anyone listening, it's really dependent upon the government subsidies right now. But the government and the current administration are big heavy on subsidizing companies like Blink and getting them up. Now, once Blink has the infrastructure in place, it can make money off of people using their chargers and their systems and the maintenance fees, service fees, and so on and so forth. But it's it was uh, they were dependent upon subsidies in order to put the hardware in place in in shopping centers, in apartment complexes, in homes, yada yada yada. Um, I think Tesla has really come back and taken a big market share from Blink with their innovations. But uh, I believe Blink is still a, a a major player in this field. Yeah, Tesla. They're they're. Uh, I don't want to say cross platform because that's. I mean that's gamer usage but you know what's the better term for this because i think that uh tesla some of their charging stations they they you could t- uh, charge a toyota or not a toyota but a ford electric vehicle yes let's say toyota yes. but toyota i don't even know if toyota has fully electric yet they, uh, but uh toyota's kind of a laggard there man they were, they were the leader with the prius there for a while the hybrids yeah 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 Anyways, that's our show, unless you got something else, Brandon. I got nothing else. All right, guys. Well, as always, we hope you've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.